Hello there, I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy storytelling, so of course we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet will never, ever, ever have enough of, it is nerds talking about Star Wars. So we journey to a galaxy far, far away every week to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. This week, we're taking a look at the next episode of the newest Disney Plus Star Wars show, Visions. And that episode is T0B1. Anders, are you ready to terraform some planets? I mean, maybe we start with this one. Like, let's let's just hit the reset button here. <laughs> and then we can talk about other planets. <laughs> Toby! Yes, where is he? <laughs> Come help us. <laughs> All right, Colleen, why don't you uh, tell us just a little bit about the, the film? All right, here we go. So this film was produced by Science Saru. It was written by... Yuichiro Kido and directed by Abel Gangara. The characters of T0B1, oh, he's so cute. Mitaka and the Inquisitor are voiced in the original Japanese by Masako Nozawa, Zutomo Izobe, and Kentaro Ito. And in the English dub by Jaden Waldman, Kyle Chandler. Holy crap, I saw that and was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and Neil Kaplan. It has a runtime of about 14 minutes. So the first time so far, it isn't longer than the film before it. Interesting. I, I swear to God, I was thinking about this. There's a new uh, Christmas Muppets special up on Disney Plus, mm -hmm. and there was a Halloween one this year. And as we've talked about some of the voice casts for Visions, I'm just like, yo, does Disney just like throw up a bat signal and it's just like, hey, we need people for something. Who wants in? Like we're doing us, we're doing we're doing Star Wars voicing. Who who wants in? We're doing a Muppets <laughs> thing. Who wants in? And they just take everybody who everybody who says yes. It's just like, all right. <laughs> oh yeah, completely. So getting into the plot synopsis here of this short film. So we have an old scientist, Mitaka, brings a droid boy, T0B1. Everyone calls him Toby. I keep just wanting to call him Toby One. So <laughs> Toby One, uh, back online after getting some upgrades. Toby One is sent to get another droid, CO3, for Mitaka to do some work on. And the two droids promise that they will play lightsabers later. That's just adorable. <laughs> Later on, Mintaka is scolding Toby for trying to get into the basement where he knows he's not allowed. Toby One and the other droids continue to help Mintaka with his work trying to terraform this desert planet. And Toby One also continues to just play, have fun, and keeps imagining himself as a Jedi Knight saving the galaxy. Mintaka tells him to keep his mind on the present, though, and the reality of their work. Keep your mind on the here and now where it belongs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds familiar. Mm. <laughs> Mitaka tells Toby that if he wants to be a Jedi, he has to find a kyber crystal. Big parents sending their kid on a damn snipe hunt so they can get their work done. <laughs> the next day, Toby begins his search but comes up empty. Shocking. Mitaka tells him he must commune with the Force and explains to the droid the concept of the Force. Toby keeps searching, ultimately getting into the basement mm, and discovering a small shuttlecraft. Toby gets carried away and, oopsies, sends out a transmission calling for all Jedi to come join him. <laughs> Shit. Unfortunately, an Imperial Inquisitor picks up on the message and travels to the planet. Mitaka puts Toby in stasis before meeting the Inquisitor in battle. And then Toby awakens sometime later and everything is devastated, like burning building, it's raining out, and he also finds Mitaka's grave. Which I was, I mean, it's a beautiful scene, but it's also like the Inquisitor buried him? Really? Right. Like, that's <laughs> like, pretty good for the Empire. Or was it the other droids, maybe? 
I don't know. It could have been. Yeah, he is obviously he is very distraught, but he resolves to continue his master's work and ultimately succeeds and brings plant life to this planet. Mm-hmm. Growing on Mutaka's grave, which is really cool. It's really nice. It's really sweet. Uh, he also manages to connect with the sport with the force and Mitaka's spirit gives him a kyber crystal which joins with Toby's kind of play lightsaber and it brings it to life now in in the process that alerts the inquisitor again who comes in and the two begin to duel in the midst of the battle Toby sees Mitaka's spirit again who knights him as a true Jedi knight newly empowered Toby manages to defeat the inquisitor and sets off in that shuttlecraft with all the other droids, vowing to terraform other planets, other worlds, and bring life to them. He's got a mission. He's, He's got, got a, a Jedi mission. mission. <laughs> it's very sweet. So getting into our reactions here, I liked this one a lot more the second time I watched it. Toby is just such a fun, classic character. I really like the idea that they are focusing on a droid. And I love the idea of a droid connecting with the Force. Also in a way that's not really explained. Right. Like, I think there was some theorizing at one point that maybe Toby is actually powered by a kyber crystal. And that, cool. would be, that would explain why he's able to connect with the Force, but they never say that. And I, I actually really like that, that it's just him on his merits of his sentience and humanity. Yeah. The oh, one boy. thing I'm not really 100% on in this one is actually just, like, the really drab color palette. Like, mm-hmm. in the duel, the black and white had this, like, really cool effect, and it made sense. But in this, it's just kind of, like, depressing. Yeah. Um, yeah. For that, des- I mean, we're on a kind of desolate planet without any life, so I get it. But Toby's just, like, this such bright and bubbly character and i would have loved to see things just get a little bit richer even maybe maybe towards the end to show kind of the shifts yeah but that's just kind of my like pick and its taste note the story is great the characters are great and i love it i had the same reaction as you on my second watch liked it way more than the first time i watched it it's still close closer to the bottom of my rankings but that might be because it didn't pack quite enough of an emotional punch for me like it, it does if it's viewed separately, but then when you're watching all of the other ones, this one just doesn't have the wallop factor. It's much more watchable for kids, which is fine. Like, yes, bring kids into Star Wars, show them the adorable droid becoming a Jedi. I'm here for it. He's a great character. He's so cute, I, but I wanted more from him, especially since this is a very trope heavy short film. Like it Mm -hmm. relies on so many tropes a lot. But when he exclaims who he is to the Inquisitor, I did get chills. It's so cute. And then he loses his fucking arm. I mean, this is actually a very violent short film when you get to the the duel part. Like, yeah, they're going at it. He's also, he's very, very good with that lightsaber very quickly. He's been, he's been, he's been playing a lot of lightsabers. He has. Yes, CO3 has been a very good trainer for <laughs> The animation style too, it's not one of my favorite styles, but it is very classic and I can see why they went with it. Mm-hmm. It fits the character for sure. All right, well, before we move on, we're just going to take a quick ad break to hear about some other podcasts from the Forgotten Entertainment family. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. 
We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes. And while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' When Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Okay, so now we're back. We're going to start with the anime studio behind the magic. Science Saru created two short films for Visions, this one being the first. It's a relatively new studio that's only recently receiving international recognition, though it has some really great titles to its name. One of its first projects was an episode of Adventure Time, which was very well oh, received. Cool. But their most well-known titles are Space Dandy, which is from the Cowboy Bebop creator Shinichiro Wani- Wani- Watanabe, and Devil Man Crybaby, which is like a great title. <laughs> it's like a great title. <laughs> which was released on Netflix in 2018. So they're they're still fairly new and just like kind of dipping their toes into international anime success. The studio uses a mix of hand-drawn and digital animation, which is definitely apparent in their two short films that they have for Visions. Their name means science monkey, which is great. <laughs> Saru means monkey? Oh, I love it so much. Saru means okay, monkey. And we're heading into our... Japanese cultural or anime influences, huge. This entire short film is basically Astro Boy. (laughs) Very much, yeah. The entire thing. Astro Boy was created by manga legend Osamu Tezuka. It's one of the most famous and recognizable anime characters. If you look him up, he'll be like, oh yeah, I recognize him. Toby might as well be Astro Boy. The story is set in a future where humans and robots live side by side, just like in Star Wars. Astro Boy is created by Umataro Tenma after the death of his young son and is given human emotions. I'm sure this will be fine. This won't go anywhere horrible. No, the never. Android Boy is eventually sold to a robot circus. What the heck? I know. It's like big Pinocchio vibes, big Spielberg AI. One of the most depressing films I've ever seen. I never actually, uh, I've never seen that one. <laughs> oh my God. AI is, mm, that's a devastator. He's eventually saved, though, by a kindly professor named Ochamizo, and adventures ensue. Even though Astro is cutesy, like, kind of Betty Boop-style design, the themes of the story can get very dark very quickly, much like in T-Zero B-1. Aww. So speaking, I mean, specifically T-Zero B-1, let's talk droids. This, this short is chock full of droids. They are a massive presence in pretty much all of Star Wars and pretty much all of the short films here. Uh, and then this one, he's the main character. Mm-hmm. He's the focus. So let's talk a little bit about Toby. He's just such a great, he's a fantastic addition to the Star Wars universe. T-0B1 is the first droid we see who's really more human realistic. Like he has, it, the mouth the actually moves. moves, he smiles, he has a lot more emotions that he's able to express. Uh, assuming it's easier to keep droids at arm's length if they don't resemble sentient people, Toby's design would most likely be problematic in the Star Wars galaxy. 
Yeah. Um, Big discriminations coming. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how he would be re interact with like other people, uh, especially when they realize he's a droid. You know, maybe he should meet Echo, a character dealing with his cybernetic components. But what really is really impressive about Toby, again, is his connection to the Force. Uh, there is a theory out there that when the professor was making him, he imbued some of his own Force abilities into the droid, which would make Toby even more like his son. <laughs> I, I like this one mixed with the Kyber crystal theory. Mm -hmm. Like Kyber is his connection to the Force, but then the professor loved him so much that... yeah. Either he accidentally, maybe. I like the idea of accidental because I like the idea that it's accidental because I'm not sure I like the idea that he was like manufactured to be connected to the force, that this actually right. is something he, he connected on his own, of right. his own merit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely accidental. I don't want him to have known that he did it. <laughs> yeah. CO3, oh my God, he's so cute. <laughs> He's Toby's little guardian droid. He'd do anything for the professor and for Toby. He's like the one droid who survives the purge situation, <laughs> which was rough. Like when Toby went up there, I'm like, oh, dude, you did this. Like, yeah, this is, I mean, it's on the Inquisitor, but it's, it's kind of on you. Yeah. And it's on the professor. I mean, he should have explained what was in the basement and why you don't go down there. But that's mm -hmm. a very parental kind of thing be like just fucking listen to me though <laughs> <laughs> but of course a kid is not kids like to test boundaries and he's like well you said to look for the kyber crystal maybe it's in the only place i haven't looked yet could be you never and he know fixes all the droids so it, it ends up being okay in the end. yeah except for mitaka <laughs> well <I mean. laughs> yeah he, yeah his dad is dead i mean there's there's no coming there's back. that all right, moving on, let's get into our Star Wars connections, callbacks, and homages. Mm -hmm. So Toby's room is covered in carvings. Mm -hmm. And they, to me, they actually look a lot like the cave paintings on the fall that we see in Rebels. Mm -hmm. These are obviously not ancient, but they're, they're still there. And they, if you look close, you can see them depicting a lot of very familiar scenes from Star Wars. There's mm -hmm. Luke holding the lightsaber from the original Star Wars poster. You can see the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. You can see characters like Yoda, Kit Fisto, General Grievous. There's A-Wings, X-Wings, an AT-AT, a Star Destroyer, and plenty more yeah. if, you, if you keep going. You have to think, like, if the professor saw Toby's room, he's like, how do you know about all this shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, his first thought Dad, is that I have the holonet connected to the forest because he's like he's never seen any of this stuff he's just like drawing it uh next we have the genius living more or less in isolation very obi-wan hmm. another hero's journey trope of course the wise master has to die in order for the hero to rise mm -hmm. just like obi-wan with luke yeah and then we have the professor with toby <laughs> and he is he's trying to keep toby with him like toby wants to get out and see the rest of the galaxy but dad wants you to stay on the farm <laughs> very much a luke owen relationship there although i think they were a little bit more tender than than luke and owen yes well i mean owen does love luke he's just oh very he does rightfully concerned <laughs> absolutely luke would be 
summarily killed or drawn over to his father's side. Like, He's too much like his father. And that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baru's like, come on, Owen. And he's like, no, you know Anakin. <laughs> Do they know that he's Vader? Did I, Obi-Wan tell them that? I don't I don't know if they know. It's not really like explained. Although I would think Obi-Wan would say like we need to keep him hidden at least from the emperor like yeah i think obi-wan would have to explain a little bit maybe we'll get that in the obi-wan show could be him trying to explain things to owen and beru like no don't let luke go to tashi station to pick up those power power covers (laughs) he's only gonna get in trouble (laughs) okay so the shuttle that toby finds is a t-16 skyhopper it's a really cool looking little ship yeah, it is. I like that a lot. Maybe he can bullseye some womp rats, except that there's no life on this planet yet. <laughs> he makes life. It's okay. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Mintaka's last line, really, to Toby as he puts him in stasis. He hears him say, I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. A line that we absolutely love. Our friend Sarah, not so much, but... <laughs> <laughs> it is an emotionally manipulative line, but I don't care. <laughs> exactly. I am here to be emotionally manipulated by Star Wars. <laughs> okay, next we have the Inquisitor and his TIE fighter. Holy shit, this guy was legit terrifying. Oh, yeah. If I saw that coming at me, I'd be like, run. <laughs> Whereas Toby's like, I'm going to take this guy out. Be like, no, honey. <laughs> well, he doesn't have the spinning lightsaber, so. Yeah, like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he seemed more like a Black Knight, kind of than an inquisitor because yeah. he's his lightsaber looked very broad swordy and his armor was really cool like yeah ooh, this guy means fucking business <laughs> oh my gosh yes so next up we have toby's line my name is toby and i'm a jedi yeah. it's really big callback to anakin and phantom menace i'm a person and my name is anakin excellent Wonder- line reading Maybe you should have asked if uh, if the Inquisitor was an angel. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, fallen angel. Yikes. Jesus. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe the first person he meets is like a cute human girl. It's like, are you an angel? <laughs> okay, I'm here for that story. I'm here for adorable kid hijinks on some sort of planet. <laughs> I think that would be really cute. Oh my gosh. Okay, so finding his destroyed home is Toby's call to action. Another hero's journey trope, just like it was for Luke in A New Hope. Like, except this time there weren't charred, horrible remains. Nope, there was just a grave. Of his family, there was an actual grave. I remember being traumatized by that when I was a child. I was like, uh, those are burned up corpses, pretty sure. Also, that just seems like, I mean, that was excessive on the part of the Stormtroopers when that happened. I forget if we talked about this when we, uh, when we did A New Hope, but, like, why were they burned is kind of a question. Like, you shoot them dead, the the blaster doesn't burn you like that. No. That was a... They had, like, a a flame trooper with them or something. That was, like, Vader-level drama queen extra Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Creepy. Yeah, very. Uh, next up, so when Toby contacts Mitaka's spirit, uh, it's very, very reminiscent of like the world between worlds and the concept of force ghosts. He's kneeling on that circle and he kind of transforms into a more human 
looking character for just a minute. Very sweet. I love that part. I love anything to do with <laughs> the world between worlds. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm very here for it. I'm like Bravo! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, listen God. to our Bohemian okay. Geek Studies episode on that. Yes, Flo has words on it. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to Flo's words on World Between Worlds. <laughs> okay, our last connection callback are Jedi droids. So Toby isn't technically the first. And he is not canon either, so we're just going to stick with these are all legends characters that have a force connection. We have R5D4 revealed in Skippy the Droid, aka Star Wars Tales number one, is actually a secret Jedi. Great. The yeah, Astromech is a secret Jedi. <laughs> this is like one of the funniest things I've ever heard of. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, totally. But it's, it's so funny. Yeah, that is, that is some wild shit that they came up with for that. And then we have I5YQ from Legends Canon is also revealed to have a connection with the Force. Yeah, he, I don't think, is, like, revealed to be a Jedi, but, like, you can sense him through the Force in a way you can't with other droids. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely something there. Right. Which would be really cool if other Jedi met Toby and were like, oh, he is connected with the Force, but he's a droid. What the fuck is going on here? And they're like, oh, the professor, that weird fuck. Of course he made a sentient droid. Yes. (laughs) If droids could think, there'd be none of us here, would there? Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into our power rankings. So we have our new rankings making our way through here. Um, so let's just get right into it. Colleen, starting at the top of your list, mm-hmm. does Toby belong above or below the ninth Jedi? Below. <laughs> okay. Does Toby belong above or below the village bride? Below. Does Toby belong above or below the duel? Below. Does Toby belong above or below Tatooine Rhapsody? Who above. Above. All right. So that's where you're sticking it. Yep. Put it in there. All right. So now for mine, starting with the ninth Jedi below. The duel below. Tatooine Rhapsody. This is tough. I'm still going to say below. The Village Bride. Ooh, this is tough. Because I, I liked Toby more the second time. And I think I actually liked The Village Bride less the second time I watched it. But mm-hmm. I still think The Village Bride is, is, a, better, is a better film. And then The Twins. I'm, I'm going to say above. The Twins. Excellent. So... Recap here. Our current list stand, Colleen. Yours goes The Ninth Jedi, The Village Bride, The Duel, T0B1, Tatooine Rhapsody, The Twins. Mine goes The Ninth Jedi, The Duel, Tatooine Rhapsody, The Village Bride, T0B1, The Twins. There we go. All right. Whew. These are getting really tough. <laughs> I know. I know. It's getting very, very difficult to do this every week. Our next episode is going to be really, really difficult for me. (laughs) Okay, so after our rankings, we are going to move into our recommendations section. I apologize in advance, everyone, (laughs) because both of my picks today have some very heavy sadness. Like, it's time for some kids with trauma, big time. (laughs) I'm sorry, but they're both very good. 
I'm going to start out with Metropolis. This is a 2001 anime film. It's a diesel punk sci-fi masterpiece adapted from Osamu Tezuka's manga of the same name, which is the creative Astro Boy. And director Rintaro, who's very famous for his anime direction, he stuck really close to Tezuka's favorite storyline and character design. So it it's the rounded off characters, like they look very similar to Astro Boy. Is it related at all to like the original, like the whatever it was, like the 1920s, like the old Metropolis film? A little bit. A little bit. It's okay. the same concept of like a robot that could gain sentience and that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a big problem for <laughs> sentient life. The main story centers around a society where robots and humans coexist, but most humans are unemployed and blame the robots. Oh my God. It's almost like this is a real world. Oh my God. Automation is killing our jobs. Exactly. Thus, the robots are heavily discriminated against. The leader of Metropolis, Duke Red. I mean, there's there's a lot of like very real world stuff that happens in this movie. He has an android maid who resembles his deceased daughter. Like, damn. (laughs) It's already some heavy shit. She escapes the lab that created her and is adopted by a young boy named Kenichi. Lots of action ensues. Lots of tragedy ensues. (laughs) The music is devastating. (laughs) But it's so beautifully made. Like, this is, it's stunning. The animation style mixed with, like, how much fucking violence there is in this movie is very strange. Hmm. Because it has those kind of cuter looking characters. And then there's lots of, whoa. (laughs) It's very good. It's very interesting. I recommend it to everyone who likes anime. And next we have To Your Eternity, which made me cry several times. This is my second pick for the week. It's also about a non-human character trying to grow, learn, and attempt to be human. The first episode is utter perfection. It's maybe the best TV pilot or first episode I've ever seen. Not even anime. Like, it's so good. It's a perfect blend of Jack London and anime. And when you watch it, you will get why I, I say it's Jack London. The story is heartbreaking at every turn. The main character, Fushi, he's trying to learn from his encounters with people and animals how to live, basically, how to live a good life. This one is tough, though. A lot of death, a lot of learning how to deal with complex emotions like grief, but there's also really great humor. It's very funny. It's very heartfelt. It's seriously one of the most beautiful things I've watched in quite some time. But yes, you will cry and be very angry. <laughs> <laughs> Almost all of your recommendations usually involve, yeah, you're going to cry and you're going to hate me, but. I don't care. Watch it. <laughs> I mean, that is basically, it's a lot of anime is like that where you're like, this seems like a really cute idea. And then all of a sudden you're crying and you're like, why I cry? Because <laughs> they're really good at character development and story building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my recommendation this week might also make you cry. Um, it is one of my it is one of my all time favorite movies. It is, I it is definitely one of my favorite animated movies ever. You've got a robot on a planet where life doesn't grow, who dreams of something bigger, dreams of connection. Guys, go revisit Wally. I love Wally. Oh my I god. Love I am still salty to this day Walty got robbed of a best picture nomination and it drives me nuts that Wally didn't get nominated for best picture but up did I mean they're both incredible films but Wally did deserve mm. it I, it definitely deserved it I, I I don't think up was that good I'm not gonna lie 
beyond the first like, beyond the first half hour, that movie is not that great to me. Um, oh, I love I love up. I love I, both of them for different reasons. I think Wally has third act issues also. I think the opening of Wally is incredible. Oh, like I the, love the third act of Wally. That moment where you think he's crushed and the humans are like, oh, oh my yeah. God, Wally. That is the part that absolutely every time. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pixar knows how to destroy us. It's yes. like, did you like take lessons with anime creators? Because this is terrible. <laughs> but yes. Wally is incredible. I love it. Please go watch okay. it. All right, guys, that will wrap it up for us today. Join us again next time as we continue our visions journey with the elder. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, whatever. I'm sure there's an app in there somewhere for you. Uh, check out all of the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we recently wrapped up our journey into Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and then Speaking you can find <laughs> you could also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on bohemiangeekstudies.com. But until next time, bye everybody. Bye everyone. Go read Lesser Evil. <laughs> and all the High Republic stuff. Just go read Star Wars books. <laughs> <laughs>